Well, today is the last Sunday of 2020. Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) I think most of us are happy to put this year in our rearview mirror, are we not? And so I have entitled this morning's sermon, oh, there it is, Looking Forward to 2021. Now, you can actually think of that phrase two different ways. Looking forward, that's the phrase I'm talking about. We can think of it in terms of a a forward focus. Um, I have Philippians 3, 13 and 14 in mind. You know the scripture, right? That was Pastor Matt Dodd, one of his favorites. Reaching, I stretch forth, reaching for the prize, forgetting what is behind, right? We're going to put what's behind us in the rearview mirror. We're going to focus forward, look forward. But the second way that we tend to use that phrase is to anticipate with pleasure. You know what I'm talking about, right? Somebody says they're going to come over to your house for a visit. And you say, oh, I'm looking forward to it. Right. So we're talking about looking forward to 2021, and I think we can force ourselves to do that first part, to focus forward and to leave what is behind. But what about the second? Are we ready? Are we prepared? Are we truly looking forward with anticipation, with pleasure to 2021? Because there are still uncertain days ahead. And the question we have to ask ourselves right now, do we have confidence that 2021 is going to be any better than 2020? I'm hopeful, but I don't have a lot of confidence. Especially as we begin the year with things pretty much the same as they have been for a while. Now my goal this morning as it typically is on this final Sunday of the year, is to talk about where we have been the past year and where we think we're going. And so I also want to talk to you a little bit about our pastoral retreat that we had back in November. Now, when we get together for a pastoral retreat, there are typically three things that we try to accomplish. The first is to have some fun. Now, that's not actually the first thing. I mean, that's not the most important thing that we do. But it is, it is important. It's not unimportant, right? We, we do want to, to, to have a little fun. It's good for te- team building. And it's also good for us to um, have a little R&R. We don't want to wear ourselves out. If, if all we did at the retreat is just work the whole time, we would come back exhausted. So we try to have some fun. This year's fun activities included feeding pigs, and slaughtering a turkey. Fun, right? Because the camp where we were staying, they had a little farm, and they were, they were getting the turkey prepared for Thanksgiving, and they invited us to be a part of that. How exciting is that? Um, we also enjoyed some other th- things. We had some fun meals together, and we, we sang songs by the fire, and just had, had some good fellowship. The second thing we try to accomplish at a pastor retreat is evaluation. We ask the questions, how have things been going? What's been working? What hasn't been working? 
but in order to properly evaluate things, you have to have some way of measuring them, right? Well, oftentimes that, that comes down to numbers. Because how else can you measure? You have, you know, there has to be something to measure. And even in the church, uh, it, it comes down to measure, measure uh, numbers. So we, we measure things like attendance, like uh, giving. You know, those are quantifiable things that we can look at. Um, but a lot of the things that we do in ministry are very difficult to measure quantifiably. How can we tell if people are more like Jesus today than they were a year ago? How do we know the, the, the spiritual condition of people? I mean, it's, it's tough to measure those kind of things. Now, we don't ignore the numbers, but we don't want to focus solely on the numbers, too. We, we want to think about uh, the more important things that we're in, involved in ministry. Now, as you can imagine, it, it's difficult every year, particularly when you talk about these, these things that you can't quantify, but it was particularly difficult in 2020 to do any kind of evaluation just because of the year that we've had and some of the things that we've gone through. And I'll have more to say about that a little bit later. The third thing that we try to do in a, in a pastoral retreat is planning. What do we want to change? What do we need to start? What do we need to end? And in years past, I would say this is probably where we spent the bulk of our time in a pastoral retreat, talking about uh, the year ahead and what our plans were, what we were going to focus on, where the priorities would be. But as it turns out, after our pastoral retreat in 2019, all that time that we spent planning for 2020 was pretty much a waste of time. Well, perhaps waste is too strong a word, but you know what I mean. I will say this about 2020, it really helped us to learn the meaning of this passage in James chapter 4. This is the second time I have turned to this text this year, if you've been paying any attention. Maybe you'll remember, you probably won't, and that's okay, but I, I, I actually used this verse as the foundation for a sermon I preached back in, uh, I think it was April, uh, when we were right in the middle of our closure, when the church didn't meet for a period of 10 weeks. And when I taught it back then, it was um, to help us cope with dashed hopes and unrealized expectations. But this, this time, I want to try to come at it from a little bit different angle. So let me, let me read it first, and then let's talk about it, Okay. James chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So I think that we, when we, we look at this passage, we typically apply it after the fact. What do I mean by that? Well, 
In other words, what I mean is that we, we make our plans and then we tack this if the Lord wills onto that as an addendum. And it's not that we are intentionally trying to uh, be dishonest about it or, or treat it uh, as if it's unimportant, but it does kind of make it secondary to our plans. But what does that really entail to say if the Lord wills? We know it's not just a, a formula, right? It's not just a, um, a magic uh, incantation that we, you know, if we say that, it, that, it's gonna, that something's going to happen. It's not like that. It's more about an attitude. It's more about our recognition that no matter what we plan, God's plans always need to come first. And we recognize that. So when we say, if the Lord wills, that's us admitting that my plans can only go so far. So the question that I asked myself as I approached the text this time is, what if we didn't do it after the fact? What if we didn't make a plan and then tack this, if the Lord wills, recognition on after? What if instead we started by seeking the Lord's will, and then made our plans. And so that is what we spent some significant time in our pastor retreat doing this year, something that we had never done before. The whole first day, I said, I don't want to, we're not going to talk about anything. We're not going to evaluate anything. We're not going to make any plans. I just want us to try and train ourselves to listen to God. And so we spent some time in solitude. We all went four different directions. Each one of us had a different Bible verse. And my, my request to them as they went through this was, pray, yes, but don't do all the talking. Don't be, just be telling God what you think and asking God for your wish list. Instead, let's spend some time in quiet reflection meditation. See if we can prepare ourselves to do more listening this year. Now, whether that was successful or not, who knows? But that was the goal that we were after. So what if we start by seeking the Lord's will and then make plans? I mean, it sounds good, doesn't it? And I think some, some of you might be saying, yeah, right, but how do I do that? What does it look like? And if it sounds a little bit crazy to you, let me just say this. There is some biblical precedent for what I'm talking about. Okay? Keep your finger in James and turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 23. 1 Samuel 23, and I'm going to be starting in verse 9. This is uh, a story from uh, David after he was anointed king by Samuel, but before... Uh, he actually took the throne. Saul is still uh, acknowledged as the king of Israel. And, of course, he recognizes that uh, God has uh, uh, re- uh, you know, rejected him and that David's going to be the new guy. And so he has been chasing after David and trying to do him harm. <clears throat> and this is uh, just one of the many... Um, incidents that took place during that time. In 1 Samuel 23, starting in verse 9, it says, When David knew that Saul 
plotted evil against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Calah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Calah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then David said, will the men of Calah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver you. So David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Calah and went wherever they could go. This, then it was told Saul that David had escaped. Okay, so what am I looking at here? <clears throat> David's got a problem. Saul's out to get him. But instead of sitting down and, and saying, okay, we got to come up with a plan, guys. How are we going to fix this problem? How does David approach the problem? He asks God for wisdom. He says, God, tell me, tell me what I need to know. Tell me what I need to do. Now, how does he do that? How does David hear the Lord's answers to his questions? Was it an audible voice that he heard? I don't think so. Because right at the very beginning of verse 9, you'll notice he says, when he calls the priest, he says, bring the ephod here. What's the ephod? The ephod was part of the the ritual um, garments that the priest would wear. It included a breastplate. And within that breastplate was something called the umim and the thumim. And to be perfectly honest, we don't really know what those were. The only thing that that we know is that they were lots of some kind. What's a lot? Well, in our day, this would be equivalent of like rolling the dice or perhaps uh, picking the shortest straw. Okay, It, It was some method, we don't know how it worked, but some method that they could cast these lots and however the lots were cast, it would reveal to the priest whatever God's answer to the question was. Sadly, we don't have these today. I, I, I wish I could stand up here and tell you that uh, our church has a set of umim and thumim, you know, and we can just cast them and find, you know, ask the question and get the answer that way, but we can't. So the question then is, is this possible today? Can we, like David, try to ask God for wisdom, for direction, and expect to receive an answer the way that he did? I think that we can. Now, having said that, most of you are well aware of my conviction regarding the sign gifts, okay? I I don't believe that prophecy and revelation, that kind of stuff is operative today. I know there are many Christians that disagree with me, and that's fine. But I, I'm, I believe that, um, that many of what we see going on in, in Pentecostal and charismatic circles today is actually quite unbiblical and, uh, and even damaging sometimes. Okay, I'm not going to get into all that today. Uh, but I'm not suggesting that we you know, start uh, thinking about this in terms of we're going to get some kind of special knowledge from God. Somebody's going to become a prophet in our midst. 
Okay, I'm not, I'm not even suggesting that. But yet we have to recognize that we have in the scriptures this situation. And, there, and this is only one example. Where believers were able to inquire of God and to receive the answers to their questions. To receive direction from him. And if we go back to James and the passages that I shared with you during our prayer focus, he tells us that we need to ask multiple times. He said in chapter 1, ask for wisdom, and if you do, God who gives to liber- liberally to all, he will give it to you. And then again in chapter 4, you don't have it. Why? Because you don't ask for it. What else is that but an encouragement to ask? So how are we to seek the answers to these questions today? Well, I hope by the end of this sermon that I will be able to answer that. But before I can, I think we need to take a step back and and, um, bring us up to date. So the first thing that I want to do is I want to look at the year 2020 in review. So to be honest with you, we didn't do a whole lot of evaluation at our pastoral retreat this year. And that's kind of because what would have been the point? Um, at, at least not with regard to our original plan. Now, there's still plenty of things for us to evaluate, and we do evaluate, and we will continue to evaluate them regularly. But we have to go about it very differently. Um, so when we started out 2020, we had a certain set of priorities. And, and notice I use that phrase, when we started out. Okay? And that's a very important phrase. Because we entered 2020, um, we had no idea what was coming. Same as you, right? It, It didn't take long for us to find out that our plans that we had set for 2020 had no relationship to what the needs of 2020 were going to be. Um. But for the sake of evaluation, let's just take a look now. Um, I, I don't even know if any of you will remember this. It's been a whole year since we talked about this. But what were the priorities we had set for ourselves in 2020? Well, the first one was the outreach team. We, uh, this was a team that had been defunct for years, and we wanted to get it going again. Now, that's, that's not to say that we have neglected uh, outreach in this church. We haven't. Uh, we've done plenty of outreach, and we've seen some success as a result of our outreach. But we didn't have a team that was... Uh, uh, cohesive and purposeful and dedicated to this task and overseeing this task. And we had hoped to get that going again. The second one was we wanted to talk about, um, we wanted to to, uh, revamp our usher team. Uh, Don Frank and Gene Reddick, who had served this church as ushers for many, many years, were stepping down. And so we thought, okay, um, this is a good time for us to have a brand new approach and, uh, and a new format and how we're going to do it. And I explained to you last year why it was important because uh, there's a lot more to being an usher than just handing out a bulletin. We talked about that last year. And, and actually, of all the things that we had planned to do in 2020, we probably did more in this area than any other until it got interrupted. <laughs> and then the last thing was our kids' praise. This is a ministry that we have invested in heavily over the past five years, and it was stable, but it's also crucial, uh, particularly to reaching families. And so 
we wanted to tweak it and improve and see if we couldn't improve it. And that was one of our goals. Okay, so those were the three main goals we started with at the beginning of 2020. So by way of evaluation, how did we do? That's the question we typically ask, right? How did we do? Did we meet the goals we had set for ourselves? Did we accomplish the things we were hoping to accomplish? And if we just concentrate on that, if we just if we go strictly by our goals, our accomplishments, and the measurable things like numbers, then we would come to the conclusion that 2020 was an absolute failure because we didn't do any of it. None of it. We didn't even get started on some of it. But that really wouldn't be fair, would it? Because the year was just really still getting started when all of a sudden COVID hit and changed everything. And so after COVID hit, our priorities changed. And as you know, it all happened without warning. No one could have predicted that this was, that, that we would spend 2020 the way we spent 2020. And the bottom line is, all of a sudden, we had no choice but to switch gears. So our new priorities became ministry at a distance. Wasn't even on my radar. In fact, I would say even more than that, something I am philosophically against. I believe ministry has to be in fellowship with them. I believe in the church. I'm not one of these guys that thinks, oh, we need to you know, be establishing internet churches so that we can reach a million people that we never see and never know. And here, all of a sudden, I find myself having to do it week in and week out. Never dreamed in a million years that would happen. But that became our priority. Started when we had to shut the doors of the church for 10 weeks. And we were only, for 10 weeks, we only did church online. Never believed it would happen. And we didn't have time to prepare. We just, it, was, it was literally, we go live next week. <laughs> what do we have to do? We got, we got six days to figure this out. And obviously we made mistakes, but we also learned quite a bit through the process. And I think we've made good strides. But even now the process is continuing. And I just want to praise God for a minute. Think about this. We had no idea. We had absolutely no idea when Matt Dodd told us that God was calling him to go back to school and we were going to be calling a new pastor. And that new pastor happened to be Tim Martin, of all people, a guy who'd been sitting in this congregation for 20 years. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a position where we're having to do all this technological stuff, tech, techie stuff, right? Can you imagine what that would have looked like if Matt Dodd and I were trying to figure that stuff out? Yeah, go ahead and laugh. It's hilarious. God, did God know what he was doing? 
He absolutely did. You know, and I still miss Matt. I know you do too. But God had a plan. He knew what was coming. He knew it. I also want to acknowledge while I'm at it the big contribution that Sean Brokaw's making back there too. He's really stepped up. And I know those of you that sit in the front section, you can't see all that he's having to do back there, you know, on that stuff. But he's a busy guy, right? Why did the video stop? How come we just lost sound? What on earth is Pastor Sean doing? And why didn't he warn me he was going to do that? Right? This is stuff, and he just has to figure this out on the fly. He didn't get any training. There's no manual, right? He's just figuring it out as he goes. Thanks, Sean. God knew what was coming, even when we didn't. And I'm amazed when I look back. Well, ministry of distance, something I never thought I'd do in a million years, that became the priority. The second one was trying to maintain connections, right? Um, And this has probably been the most difficult thing that we've had to do, especially because it's not a strong point of mine, okay? And you guys know this about me, okay? And I'm I'm on full confession mode right here. I, I am not that guy, okay? I'm just not. Um, and, and this, it's stretched me and I, and I'm sure that there's a lot more stretching to come. Okay. But this, we had an increased focus all of a sudden on getting on the phone to call people, doing stuff through email, social media, of course, and learning this new thing called zoom, right? Did you ever think that we were all going to be doing that? And it was complicated by the fact that there are a great many people in our in our congregation that don't have access to any of this stuff. You know, there's there's a whole bunch of you out there. You don't have the internet. Um, you don't have uh, smartphones. Some of you don't even have DVD players. I don't I don't know how you go through life without that. I mean, that's an essential as far as I'm concerned. But. <laughs> But we did our best, right? My, and my philosophy is that where there's a will, there's a way, right? You just figure it out. You just, you just try something, anything, do whatever you got to do, it'll, and, and figure it out. That's kind of the way I approach all things, right? Um, the thing that I learned, though, is that some of you don't have the will. Now, I'm not talking to you <laughs> sitting here. I'm, but there's people in our congregation, they... They didn't, they didn't have a will, so there was no way. <laughs> and, um, and quite frankly, I'm more than um, willing to meet somebody halfway. I'll even go more than halfway. But I can't do it all. And um, when people you know, refuse to change or, or adjust, it makes it really hard. So I, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but we, they're... they're there are people out there that we have lost connection with. And it's not because we haven't tried. So that's just something to pray about, I guess. Anyway, that's, uh, that's 2021. Um, where do we go from here? Well, let's look at 20, 20, that was 2020, sorry. 
2021 now in preview. And this is typically the part where I, I lay out our plans and I exhort you to be a part of the plans. And yeah, I'm still going to do that, but it's going to look slightly different this year because um, at the outset, our priorities remain unchanged. All right, COVID is still with us. We still have to deal with these restrictions and it isn't likely to end soon. I know there's this vaccine out there now. I hope that works. I hope that helps, but I'm, again, I'm not confident of that. It could just as easily go the other way. Who knows? Right? The, the, the vaccine may turn out to be dangerous because they did it too quick, or who knows what's going to happen? I don't know. So we're going to continue to do our ministry at a distance. We're going to continue to do everything we can to try to maintain connections. We know that there's room for improvement. And with effort, we will improve. I know that Tim and Sean are already working on plans for how to upgrade the, the online system. Every week, they're trying something different to fix another little problem. Um, and I'm confident to let them do it. Because <laughs> okay? if I got involved in that, I would just make it worse. But as always, we, we're going to need your input, and your ideas, and your feedback. Okay? When you see things, you need to let us know. You need to tell us. And if you have an idea, even if you're not a techie, it doesn't matter. Just say, what if this? I don't even know if it's possible, but what if we tried that? You know, we can let those guys figure it out. We need, we need that. Some of the recent things that we've been trying are going to continue. We're going to keep trying, we're going to keep calling and keeping in contact by phone. We're going to continue to do all the email stuff that we've been doing. Um, some of the social media stuff. Right, this uh, the Advent devotional that I did was a test to see, you know, is that will that fill a void that is, that is um, there because of we have fewer opportunities to get together, and it seemed like a great idea when I first did. It. I mean, come on, it's just five minutes, right? What's the big deal? Well, we learn. Okay, it was a very big deal. Anyway, my point being this, um, the things that we have already put in place in 2020, a lot of those are going to continue in 2021. But we also recognize that things could change at any moment. Things could get better. Things could get worse. We don't know. We don't know which direction things are going to go. And so for this reason, we have decided in 2021 that we're not going to focus our efforts on concrete plans. Like I have done in years past, where I've said things like, we're going to work on kids' praise, we're going to work on the ushers. Okay, we're not going to do that this year. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have any plans. In fact, I would say this. I think we have more plans this year than we've ever had before. And the reason is because what we typically do is we, we brainstorm and we come up with dozens of things, and then we say, well, we can't possibly do all that, so we start narrowing it down. This year, nothing is off the table. Okay, I have sheets and sheets of ideas, plans, things that we wrote down. All of it is on the table. Um, we're not narrowing it down. 
We're trying to keep all our options open so that whatever may come, we can respond to it. That's, that's what we're trying to do. And when and if things get back to normal, well, then maybe that it will be the time that we go back to square one and we say, okay, now we can pick up where we left off in 2020 and get back to the original plan of working on the outreach team and working on the usher team and so forth. But at the same time, we'll also have to recognize that things have changed. So we won't be able to just go right back to square one. We can maybe use that as a jumping off point, but we might need to make some changes. For example, Marsha Buer stepped down this year as our nursery coordinator after many, many years of service. We are right now, as of this moment, without a nursery coordinator. That's okay right now because we don't have anybody in the nursery, right? It's closed. But eventually, we're going to reopen. And when we do, that ministry is crucial. You cannot reach young families without a nursery, without a kids program. And so, you know, we'll have to figure that out. When the time comes, we'll have to figure that out. But, but I think what's more important this year, rather than what we do, it's, it's how we do it. And this is now where I get back to answering that question that I started with. How do we seek God's will and have him answer us, give us direction, and then make our plans? What's it look like? Well, I think there's three keys, and this is where I need your help, okay? All right? So um, this year, our focus will not be on a, a concrete plan, but being ready to respond to God's will. How are we, how, how we going to do that? What's it look like? Number one, prayer. Absolute number one priority 2021 is going to be prayer. Remember James 4.3. You have not because you ask not. So we are going to quit not asking. We're going to start asking about everything. And by the way, we have a number of systems in place for prayer, right? We have our prayer bulletin. We have the calling posts that we're constantly sending prayer updates out to you. We have our pastoral prayer team where we ask a group of people to specifically come and we lay out our schedule before them. We say, here's what we're working on this year. And we ask them to pray for us daily about those things. Those are great systems. They're necessary. They're important. But it doesn't have to be programmed. You don't have to be a member of the pastoral prayer team. Just pray. Pray. Can I ask you to do that in 2021? Will you pray for the ministry of First Baptist Church? Will you do that? The second thing is communication. All right, and this is the big one. Because here's the thing. If you pray and ask God for wisdom, ask Him for direction, and you feel like He's answering you, He's giving you some direction... It won't do you any good if you don't tell us about it. we got to communicate about these things. And and by the way, I think this is also the answer to how does God speak to us today. We don't have a, a holy set of dice that we can throw, 
called the umim and thumim, or whatever those were. But what we do have is the body of Christ. And I believe that God speaks to us corporately. I'll give you the perfect example. One of the things that we talked about at our pastor retreat this year was Converge. Because it's a big part of our program, right? But the thing is, Converge was designed to to operate a certain way. It's in the name, Converge. Bringing together, that's what Converge means. And so we come together for a meal. We come together for worship. And even as we separate to our our various age-appropriate studies, we're still together because we're studying the exact same texts. Whether you're in the nursery or you're in, what's the opposite of nursery, you know? Preparing for the nursing home, I guess. Oh, I'm sorry, was that bad? Usually when I try to be funny, it doesn't work. All right. Um, The point being this, okay? How can you converge when you can't converge? How do we come together when the government's saying, the last thing you're supposed to be doing is coming together. You're supposed to be maintaining distance, staying apart. And we've been doing converge like that. We should call it diverge. It's not converge anymore, right? We tell people, come in the door, go straight to your classroom and stay there. And don't talk to anybody else. That's not converge. And so as we were discussing this, we said, well, maybe we shouldn't be doing it anymore. We can't, if we can't converge, why are we trying to? And we had heard some rumblings. There were people that were frustrated because the numbers are way down and they were, you know, going to a lot of trouble and then nobody would show up. And I understand that. That's happened to me. I get that. I, you know, the difference, the difference for me is that if, if I do a Bible study or something and nobody shows up, I still get paid anyway. That's not true for somebody who's trying to do that after their regular job. So I get it. And so we said, you know, maybe we just need to drop Converge for now. And we sat down with our Christian Education Committee and we talked about it. But here's what happened. I, and I fully expected for the Christian Education Committee to say, yep, you're right, let's just ditch it. Guess what? Exactly the opposite happened. They said, no, we don't want to ditch it. We, we want to continue. Yeah, we know the numbers are down, but that's okay. Sometimes one-on-one discipleship's even better. Right? We don't, I was amazed. But see, that was God speaking to us through the corporate body. I had my idea of what I thought God was saying and then when we got, came together as a group, it turns out God was saying something completely different. And I think that's how he speaks to us today. He uses, he uses us together as the body to reveal his will. He doesn't need one person standing up there saying, this is what God's saying. No, he, he speaks to us corporately. So prayer, communication. And I know that some people are intimidated by this whole communication thing. Especially this, when I'm you know, talking about um, <laughs> the doctrine of the sign gifts, like, oh yeah, we don't do that around here. We don't go around saying, God told me to tell you this, because we're Baptists, right? So I know that makes some of you uncomfortable. But don't be. Don't be uncomfortable. And that brings me to the last point, which is this, flexibility. Flexibility. And when I say flexibility, this is what I mean. Number one, it's okay to be wrong. 
I wasn't out of the will of God because I thought maybe we were heading in the direction of canceling Converge, and it turned out I was wrong. It was okay for me to think that. It was okay for me to bring that to the meeting and put it on the table. Okay? I'm not in danger of losing my job because I did that. At least I hope I'm not. Right? Nobody castigated me or rebuked me for having that thought. We discussed it out and it was rejected. That's okay. We got to be flexible about these things. In the year ahead, or the six months, however much longer we have to deal with this stuff, we are going to try some new things. We've already started. We're going to continue. We're going to do trying some new things. Guess what? Some of them will work. Others won't. There'll, there'll be times when we fall flat on our face and we go, what were we thinking? That has to be okay. Right? We have to have the freedom to fail and say, you know what? We tried. We learned. That's where consensus comes in. That's why we communicate and we talk about these things. Tim and I are, are we have, like I said, we've got a dozen ideas that we come up with. I don't know how many of them are good. I need your help to figure that out. And when I bring you an idea, even if you think it's the stupidest thing you've ever heard in your life, participate in the process with us. Maybe it's just one tweak away from becoming a really great idea. Or maybe it needs to be chunked. That's okay too. There are going to be times in the days ahead when we're going to have to change course quickly without warning. There'll be times when we have to respond to an opportunity that we didn't even know existed and we're going to have to do it quick. And I realize that many are not comfortable with this. And it's going to require patience and it's going to require understanding. But I'm asking for your help. Because I don't know any other way to approach 2021 with all the uncertainties and the unanswered questions that we have. So here's, here's the bottom line. In spite of appearances, we need you more than ever before. I know it seems like, well, there's, what are you talking about? There's nothing to do. We're not, you know, there's so many things we're not doing. What do you need me for? Well, we still need you to, there's still work to be done. So we still need you to participate. We still need ministry slots filled. And I say that even now as the deacons are already hitting you up with the nominations, right? Think about that before you just automatically say no. That work still needs to get done. But more important is this. I need you to pray. I need you to communicate. And I need you to be flexible. I don't know what 2021 holds any more than I knew what 2020 held. It could be just as surprising. Hopefully not. Hopefully we'll, it will be a gradual process of getting back to normal. But I don't, as I stand here today, I'm not going to bet on that. 
But I believe if we do this, if we pray and we communicate and we're flexible, I think that that's how we will discover God's will for 2021. And then we make our plans in response to him. Our Heavenly Father, I am so grateful that you don't make us responsible to know the future. You are the only one who knows what's coming. And you recognize that we are imperfect and inadequate and we have no idea what's coming tomorrow. But I'm also grateful that you give us your wisdom. You give us your direction. And I believe that if we will spend 2021 on our knees in prayer, that you will tell us exactly what you want us to do. So help us to commit to that, Lord. Help us to communicate about it. And help us to be flexible as we have to deal with the the shifting tides and how everything's changing constantly. But if we do it together, we will have a very prosperous new year. And we will give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen.